Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Down the block, Andrew Gunn. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast and welcome to our rapid review of the 2023 NRL Grand Final brought to you by Jim Beam. Jim Beam is the perfect fit for social moments shared with mates ahead of matches and throughout the footy season and especially on Grand Final Day. I know that I got stuck into a few Jim Beams yesterday. Obviously, drinking responsibly really was fantastic in the pregame. It is 1.53 a.m. I have just finished watching that Grand Final for the second time, and my God, what a Grand Final it was. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Maybe it's recency bias. I do not know, Uh, but I am sitting here thinking, you know what, that Grand Final... I think it can stand alongside 89 and 2015. Can it jump ahead of them? Maybe not. I'm happy to have that argument or whatever it might be, but that grand final was off its head. It had absolutely everything. Uh, we predicted in the pregame, we thought it'd be 6-all, 8-6 at halftime. We got exactly that, 8-6. The Penrith Panthers were dominant in the first half. They were all over the Brisbane Broncos who made a stack of errors in the first half. The Penrith Panthers only made one. I think they completed it. 94% or something fucking insane in the first half. Uh, they led by eight points with a couple of minutes left in the first half. Uh, Tommy Flegler managed to crush over uh, to sort of bring it back to 8-6. And, you know, I sort of sat there at half time and went, my God, the Brisbane Broncos have done so well to be down by two. They were really not in that game at all. They took... Just about every opportunity they had, which was essentially one. Arthur's had a shot a little bit earlier in the game. Uh, they got on the front foot a couple of times, but the, the the key to it was, and this is what we spoke about all week, and we sort of we it, when we spoke coaches' clipboard and all that stuff, we really did nail down the Penrith Panthers' game plan. They smashed them through the middle in the first half. Yeah, they played to exhaust the the, the Brisbane Broncos' big forward pack. Yeah, and I think it worked. 
obviously, we, we posted at halftime that, you know, it would be interesting to see. Actually, I'll, I'll just read what, what, what I had at halftime there because when you look back in hindsight, it's very interesting how it all sort of played out. We obviously said that we thought the Panthers had really smashed the middle throughout that game like they have over the last few weeks. But to stop this Brisbane pack in particular, um, halftime, we said 8-6 at the half, a win for Brisbane, which I thought was true. Uh, Brisbane were not really in that half, to be honest with you. To only be down two against this side who's completing so high, simply incredible. I thought the Panthers in the first half, their last tackle plays were just fucking all over the place. It was really, really disappointing, their last tackle options, and I think that's what sort of kept Brisbane sort of in this game. A few repeat sets and whatnot, I think Brisbane would have given way. But that's not how it played out. The Brisbane Broncos, their scrambled defense was sensational. We spoke about it all week, that the Broncos, they're going to have to make errors to win this game of football because they're going to have to move the ball around. Unfortunately, I thought they made more errors just with simple shit coming out of their own end and whatnot. Early in the game, Stags had one. Selwyn Cobbo had one. Herbie Farmworth had one. Too many of those errors from their outside backs were costing them early. But they were defending their errors. The Penrith Panthers, you know, whether it was shit last tackle plays, whatever it was, Brisbane was defending their errors. And that's what they needed to do against this side. And then when they got their opportunity, Herbie, a fantastic run. Uh, and then off the back of that, you had uh, the the dummy half uh, jump in and f- find Flegler, who scored in his last game for the Brisbane Broncos. Incredible stuff. 8-6 at halftime. How fucking good. You will take that every day of the week when you're playing the Penrith Panthers and they're completing it 97% or something fucking ridiculous. It was unbelievable. They completed it 94% at halftime, Penrith. 94%. Have a listen to this. It was 8-6 at halftime, which was huge for Brisbane. The Panthers completed at 94%. The Brisbane Broncos ran for 795 run metres. The Penrith Panthers ran for 1,031. The average set distance for the Brisbane Broncos was 36 metres per set in the first half. The average set distance for the Penrith Panthers was 54 metres, more than 20 metres on average per set the Panthers were going. Um, the Brisbane Broncos had eight errors. The Penrith Panthers had one. The, the Brisbane Broncos had no right to be in this game whatsoever. They were making errors. They were defending their errors, to be fair, but Penrith weren't, weren't making them pay for their errors, which they usually do. And they usually make you pay through, if it's not points, it's repeat sets. But their last tackle options were very off. And there was a few times where they made very big plays to get repeat sets. Um, in fact, the two the two line dropouts that they did get, they scored points straight off of them. Obviously, Mitch Kenny scored the try off the tap back. That sort of shit happens. But... But at the you know people said oh it was a lucky try it shouldn't happen at the end of the day it comes to the pressure it comes off the pressure that the Penrith Panthers were putting on they forced that line drop out uh, there's a reason why the ball was in the air like that the Penrith Panthers have got this incredible record in grand finals of scoring tries on short dropouts by the way shout out to Roycey Simmons who did it what 30 odd years ago uh, and then the hooker does it again in this game simply incredible the first try of this game the last try of the game in 1991 pretty impressive stuff the next forced dropout which was the one that Reese Walsh has really got to learn from. Uh, he skipped across field. He stayed upright. He hit the deck. He got back up and the Panthers forced him back in. Adam Reynolds then kicks it out on the full. Nathan Cleary kicks the goal to go to 8-0. As we said, Flegler managed to get back in it. But when you look at those stats at halftime, you go, Jesus Christ. Brisbane Broncos to be down by two against the Panthers, completing at 94%, running for, you know, 250 more metres in that half. Uh, completing, you know, their sets going for 20 more metres per set. Fucking incredible the Brisbane Broncos were even in the fight. 
And look, the Penrith Panthers, they completed high. They did all the right things they needed to do. But the thing that stood out to me was their game plan. And we spoke about it during the week that I thought they would absolutely smash the middle. Uh, they were turning guys under, Critter, Isaac Tunga, Liam Martin, Scotty Sorensen. They were trying to get Payne Haas at first marker as much as they could. And every time they did, they went back at him. They were forcing the Broncos middles to do a lot more work than what they usually do. We pointed out the last time uh, that these two teams met, the Penrith Panthers won. And Payne Haas, he ran for his lowest amount of metres for the entire season. But he also made his most amount of tackles for the entire season. He ran for 101 metres. He made 44 tackles. The Penrith Panthers, they didn't quite get as much at him tonight. He ran for 150 metres, so he ran for more than what they would have hoped, but still 38 below his season average, which is pretty damn impressive from the Panthers, and they forced him to make 40 tackles, which is well above his season average as well. So the Penrith Panthers, they had a plan to go at the forwards and make them do a lot of work in the hope that at the back end of the game it was a hot night out there uh, at Homebush, that it would start to take a toll late. And, well, we'll talk about it soon, but their plan probably didn't go exactly how they expected. But I'll tell you what, we got to the back end of that game, and who was absolutely gassed? The Brisbane Broncos. I think this plan worked perfectly for them. We thought that they would kick to Jesse Arthurs all night because they were trying to keep uh, Herbie Farmworth quiet down there, as we expected. Selwyn Cobo, Katani Staggs, they didn't really cross halfway to come and help their team coming out of their own end. But they didn't need to because Jesse Arthurs absolutely brain. I think he had two line breaks in this game. I thought Jesse Arthurs killed it in the first half. He was very, very impressive. And Herbie Farmworth, you could tell they were double teaming him. They were going at him all night. He still had a cracking game. I'm just going to get up his stats to have a look at how many metres he ran for. But I thought once again, Herbie Farmworth was huge. And I think it was pretty evident the Penrith Panthers were following the blueprint that I was talking about during the week, trying to kick to Jesse Arthurs, trying to bury him, then trying to really get up in the face of Herbie Farmworth out of dummy half. The only problem was Every time they kicked the bloody Jesse Arthurs, he'd make metres on the way back. He ran for 171 metres off 15 runs, Jesse Arthurs. He was incredible. Had one line break. I, I, I swear to God, he had two. Um, he had four tackle breaks. He was very, very impressive, Jesse Arthurs, in this game. He's had a big few weeks. He's been great. He was probably the surprise packet. And honestly, if at halftime he said to me, hey, who's going to win the Clive if the Brisbane Broncos win this? I probably would have said Jesse Arthurs at that point. He was killing it. Uh, Herbie Farmer, 20 runs for 185 metres. Eight tackle breaks. He was everywhere once again, Herbie, and made some very, very big tackles. 19 tackles, only one missed. Came with some big players on Isaac Tungo, who was looking very dangerous early. Um, as we said, we thought they'd try and keep the ball away from Katoni and Selwyn. Uh, Selwyn only ran for 103 metres. Uh, kick return metres only had 30. Jesse Arthurs, 86. So you can see how much they kicked to Jesse Arthurs over Selwyn Cobbo, as we thought they would. Mate, I thought Katoni Staggs was really good. Uh, he came up with some huge plays in this game. A few big defensive efforts. Obviously, uh, didn't go too well at the back end of the game on Stephen Crichton, but there was one where he got out of the in goals as well that was a huge play. I thought Katoni Staggs really rolled his sleeves up and played tough in this game. 16 runs, that's what we want to see from Katoni. 120 metres, seven tackle breaks. I made a lot of them were tough metres coming out of his own end too. Missed a fair whack of tackles to be there. Five missed tackles, as did a lot of these Brisbane Broncos. Jeez, a lot of guys with a lot of high tackle counts, unfortunately. High missed tackle counts. Uh, Payne Haas, 41 tackles, zero missed to his credit. Uh, and as we said, ran for that 150 metres. But um, yeah, we, we said at halftime, Brisbane Middles have done a stack of work early. Interesting to see how it impacts them in the last 20. We'll talk about that soon. Arthurs and Edwards are going huge. At halftime, Dylan Edwards had run 
run for 170 metres. Very, very impressive. Games waiting for someone to grab it. And my God, didn't two guys grab it in the second half? We'll talk about those in a moment. Uh, and then I had a little stab at people that took uh, Kenny to score the first try in the grand final being shit punters solely because I was very, very jealous because that would have been a lovely little clean up there. Uh, but then the second half began and my God, I had no idea what we were in for. I honestly sat there and thought, you know what? Penrith Panthers, they're completing high. They're playing good footy. The Brisbane Broncos are hanging in there. The Panthers are absolutely smashing the middle. It's a hot night out there. This this wind is going to be behind the Penrith Panthers. They're just going to sort of cruise home in the second half, and that's what I fully anticipated. I didn't expect them to cruise home and score 40 points. I thought they'd score. I'd, I thought they'd probably win the second half, you know, 10 points to 4, 14 points to 4, something like that. We tipped them to be, a, you know, an 8-6 sort of game at halftime. That was exactly how it played out. Uh, but then I expected the Panthers to sort of just cruise their way through and just go into neutral and just win that game of football. And how wrong I was. The second half was incredible. Halftime, I took the opportunity to have a Jim Beam, the perfect drink of choice for the pregame, uh, the perfect partner when uh, enjoying Australia's favourite pastime of watching the footy or watching the NRL Grand Final. And what a Grand Final it was. Let's get to the second half because this was Incredible! This was like no half of football I have ever seen before. Uh, we come out in the second half, and you know, within 15 minutes, Ezra Mam has scored three tries. One of them was one of the great individual tries I've seen in a grand final for quite some time. Uh, took him on down the left edge, just off that left foot, went around Dylan Edwards, absolutely left him for dead. Left Dylan Edwards looking really slow in that moment, but that's simply because of just how quick this guy is. Great try. That put them up 12-8. He went through Lindsay uh, and Isaac Tungo at that point. Uh, Lindsay Smith, probably the most disappointing game of his career. Um, definitely struggled with the intensity of this game at different points. Uh, and then came, you know, a huge moment. Just as Ezra Mam explodes and kills it, Jerome Luai forced from the field with that shoulder injury. Uh, no doubt Jerome Luai will be very vocal over the next few days, call, causing some curry somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, but, yeah, disappointing to see Jerome Luai leave the field. Uh, but the guy that came on for him, Jack Cogger, we'll talk about him soon. We, we're we're going to talk about the, the Broncos 5-8 first because he deserves it. To score three tries in 10 minutes in a grand final – and then to somehow lose it, uh, fucking unbelievable. And God, I feel for Ezra, man. We said it during the week. Don't forget that 18 months ago, this kid was a highlight reel in Q Cup that we were like, eh, can he handle first grade? Is he going to be good enough? I don't know. All of a sudden, here he is in an NRL grand final against the most dominant team that we have seen in 40-odd years, if not 60-odd years. And he scores three tries in 10 minutes all of which off pretty crazy individual efforts. Uh, he then scores his second try. There was a Haas offload. They went down the right. As we said, second phase footy was going to be the key for the Brisbane Broncos if they were going to win this game. He got an offload, sent it out to Ezra Mam, uh, and he beats not only Isaiah Yo, but he beats Nathan Cleary as well. And I think this is something that we do need to mention, um, that Nathan Cleary he came up with a lot of very poor defensive plays in this game that he would have been very, very disappointed in. It honestly was probably the worst 20 minutes of uh, of over the last few weeks, at least for Cleary, followed by probably the best 20 minutes of his entire career, which we'll get to very soon. But we do need to note that Nathan Cleary wasn't his greatest game. Last tackle options were all over the place um, and then did come up with a number of poor defensive efforts in key moments. But when the big moments came, he stood up. And we're going to talk about that very, very soon because I think it matters. And it's sort of something we spoke about this week. So I'll go into a bit more detail there. But we do have to note 
that before that, he wasn't having a fantastic game. And then the the next try that Ezra Mam scored, it was Reese Walsh putting that left foot on Nathan Cleary, absolutely leaving him for dead, finds Ezra Mam on the inside, he crosses over. All of a sudden, the Brisbane Broncos, who made eight errors to one in the first half, who ran for 200 less metres in the first half, who their opposition completed at 94%. In the first half, they I think they had 43% possession or something crazy in the first half. All of a sudden, they find themselves, you know, 12, 15 minutes out of halftime, up 24-8 over the Penrith Panthers, who are looking for their third premiership in a row. And this is where it actually started to get a little bit uncomfortable for the Brisbane Broncos. There was a few plays they came up with and turnovers and whatnot that I didn't quite understand. I didn't quite understand why they took those options or whatever it might be. Uh, And then Jack Cogger also came on the field, which actually made a huge difference. I think when he came on, he just sort of simplified things. And what he did is he actually shifted Nathan Cleary out to second receiver, which is what I think turned this game. I've had a lot of people come and say to me tonight or in the last you know few hours, oh, geez, haven't the stocks of Jerome Luai dropped? No, they haven't. They haven't dropped at all. Jack Colgar just came in and did a good job, yeah? He just came in and played straight and just unlocked Nathan Cleary in a slightly different way. Keep in mind, Jerome Luai did the exact same thing last week. They were just playing differently. What bringing Jack Cogger, what bringing Jack Cogger on forced them to do is to play in a certain style. And that's when it really started to open up for Nathan Cleary. The first try that he set up, uh, Jack Cogger squares it up beautifully. If you're a young halfback out there or whatever, please go and watch what Jack Cogger did on a number of these tries and just how straight and direct he plays. You do not have to be a superstar. You do not have to be the best player in the game. You do not have to have all that much ability, just an understanding for the game and knowing your job to be able to do what Jack Cogger did. But it sounds so easy, but you see halves fuck it up all the time. Consistently, halves mess it up. Jack Cogger came off the bench for the Panthers in the biggest game of his career under pressure with them down by 24 and just said, hey, my role is just to create space for Nathan Cleary out the back. I don't have to overplay my hand. I just have to keep it simple, which once again, sounds so easy, but halves struggle with it all the time. But he really was the key to unlocking Nathan Cleary in that second half. He got to play sort of a second receiver sort of role and just take total control of their strike plays. He cut through, he went through that hole between Ezra Mam and Kurt Cable. We did say in the pregame, we thought that was going to be a problem. I thought it'd be Liam Martin going through there, but it was Nathan Cleary that cut through. And then who does he find on his inside? Moses Liotta, who needs to get a special shout out because this game complete completely turned on its head once he walked back on the field. He was enormous in the second half, and he's another guy who's probably never going to win Dalian front row of the year. He's never going to play Origin, but my God, he's going to win a number of premierships for this Panthers side simply because he is the biggest alpha on the field. He went toe-to-toe with Flegler, Pat Carrigan, Payne Haas, and he won out over them again. In the key moments, he won out over them. He put Pat Carrigan flat on his ass in the first half. I said on my Instagram, sorry, if you're a New South Wales fan, enjoy that because we're not going to see it too many times. We are not. I, I'd be shocked if we see it again, to be honest with you. But that man, Mosley Otter, he is an absolute monster. And good God, he came up with some huge plays in that second half. He was fantastic. Uh, so then all of a sudden... Uh, we had, you know, 24 to 14. All of a sudden, this game that had been completely blown out, I think I legitimately said on my Insta story when Ezra Mam scored his third try, there's your Clive Churchill medalist. I thought it was done. It was like the Broncos were running downhill. They had all the momentum in the world. The Panthers conceded three tries in 12 minutes. You just never see that. We haven't seen that in years with the Penrith Panthers. And this is their full-strength side. 
Not to mention they had Isaiah Yo leave the field. They had Scotty Sorensen leave the field. They had Jerome Luai leave the field. And they're down 24-8 to eight with 24 minutes left in the NRL Grand Final. And they have just conceded three tries to the same player who has absolutely cut them to pieces. Despite them completing at a high click of like 96% at that point. And they still find a way to win this game. Jack Cogger came on to be a ball player for them. Isaiah Yo was off the field. Jerome Luai was off the field. Scotty Sorensen was off the field. Three of their absolute best players, three of their most important players this season. And Nathan Cleary, he just takes it up another gear, puts the odd over, incredible stuff. And then he comes up with a 30 freaking 13 or whatever it was, a huge 40-20, very Joey-esque, very Fittler-esque. We've seen in big games, these guys come up with big plays with their kicking game. Shout out to Billy Waltz as well. He kicked an early 40-20, which I forgot to mention, that really turned the momentum um, a little bit in the first half. But this one by Nathan Cleary was incredible. There isn't that much time left on the clock. You do not want, want, want to be just turning over ball for the sake of it. I don't think the rest of his team was aware of it. He just saw an opportunity and took it, and he absolutely nailed it. I remember watching Joey and Freddie when I was a kid, and they'd come up with moments like this. Freddie kicks one in the 2002 grand final. Joey kicks one in 05, and he's running down there, barking at his troops. He knows how much of a big moment it was, and Nate Cleary knew how much of a big moment this one was. Very soon after that, Cleary comes down that left side. We spoke about it quite a bit, getting uh, Katoni Stags one-on-one, forcing him to make decisions. This one, it was just brute force. And guess who scores? Stephen Crichton for the fourth grand final in a row. The first man to score in four grand finals in a row since Johnny King, all the way back in the 1960s or something ridiculously absurd. Critter, he is a special, special human. And my God, he came up with some big plays in this game. Obviously, he scored that try, which was sensational. He forced a line dropout that was a really close one. He also forced a line dropout from about 30 metres out where he just dropped it on the left foot. Perfect weight. They managed to force Reese Walsh back into the in goals. It wasn't always Nathan Cleary who was turning the gears. Stephen Crichton had some massive plays in this game, some huge ones. He put in a kick later that was actually caught on the full by Selwyn Cobbo. And to be honest with you, when I saw Cobbo catch it, I thought, he's going to take it to the house here. He's gone. Stephen Crichton, though, he reacted very, very quickly. A very big defensive effort on that play as well. So here we are. Critter crashes over. They're only one try away. Nathan Cleary, he's moving his team around. He's getting them into certain spots. He's trying to go down that left side. He really wanted to get Critter one-on-one with Stags again. You could see three tackles in a row. If you go back and watch the set, go watch it. Three tackles in a row. He wants the ball. I think on two or three plays before that, uh, the hooker Mitch Kenny, for the first time just about all season, he overplays his hand a little bit. He goes back rower, front rower, back rower. And you can see Nathan Cleary getting a little bit frustrated. But what he does when he goes to Scotty Sorensen, he pulls Jordan Ricky out of the defensive line. So he takes out the best defender in that spot there. All of a sudden, he looks up, and he's got Katoni Staggs. He's got um, Adam Reynolds in front of him, and he goes, okay, I'm on here. Left foot, left foot. He's got a tired um, Jordan Ricky, who's made the last two tackles or whatever because Mitch Kenny's really worked over that area. Adam Reynolds never stood a chance. He beat him. And he got a lazy uh, Jordan Ricky and a lazy Reese Walsh on the inside. And Nathan Cleary strolls through and goes untouched. Incredible stuff. The Stephen Crichton one, also a huge conversion from the sideline. Puts the Panthers up 26 points to 24. The Brisbane Broncos, they do get the ball back with one more set. Reese Walsh takes them on, throws an offload at some point that goes to the Penrith Panthers, and that is three premierships in a row for the Penrith Panthers. A tremendous effort, I thought, Nathan Cleary. Now, as I said, at the start of the game, it wasn't fantastic. I didn't think his last tackle plays were fantastic. I thought he missed a number of key tackles. He made a few key tackles as well, to be fair. He made a really good one on Jesse Arthurs, I think it was, that sort of went unnoticed at one point. 
but he missed the tackle on Reese Walsh. He missed another tackle on Ezra Mam. So he came up with a few poor defensive players and also an attack. I thought some of his kicks were a little bit off. And I just thought last tackle plays in general for the Panthers were a bit of a problem. And when last tackle plays are a problem, you have to look at the halfback. That's his job. He has to deal with it, especially when you're a guy like Nathan Cleary. So I thought up until the 60-minute mark, he didn't have a fantastic game. He wasn't doing overly well. And it actually wasn't looking all that well for Nathan Cleary. But then the championship minutes came. His team was down by, what was it, 20 points or something like that. The championship minutes arrived. And this is what I spoke about during the week, especially when it comes to, like, finals MVPs and all that. Sometimes it matters when you do things, yeah? And Nate didn't have a great game throughout that year. But the reality is games aren't won in the opening five minutes. Games aren't won in the first half. The vast majority of close games, they are won in the last 10, 15, five minutes, whatever it might be. And in this game... They were down by a heap of points. They, they, they were gone. They stood no chance coming back. It was unbelievable. I think if you go and have a look at betting markets, they were at about $35 to one, which is just ridiculous, just insane. But this is where champions step up. This is what I always talk about. Championship minutes, champions stand up. And Nath Cleary, he went to another level, set up two tries, kicked a 40-20, scored one himself. He did everything he possibly could in that time to a Brisbane Broncos team that was absolutely killing it. Now, why were they able to do that? It's because of the game plan they kept too early in the game. We spoke about this all week. They were going to smash the middle. They were going to tire these guys out. We said it at halftime. It'll be interesting to see what happens to this Broncos team in the last 20 minutes. Did I expect Ezra Mam to explode and score three tries and the Broncos to look like the greatest team of all time for a 15-minute period. No way. But we still got to the back end of the game and that team was absolutely gassed because of the game plan that Ivan and Nath came up with, which was to force Payne Haas to do a lot of work, force Pat Carrigan and all these boys to make more work than what they usually do, complete high, kick deep and make them come out of their own end. And eventually, it's going to take enough gas out of the tank that's going to hurt this Broncos side. We get to the last 20 minutes and the Penrith Panthers go, okay, We're in championship minutes now. This is where we do our best work. This team's exhausted. They don't have the same motor as us. On comes Fisher-Harris. On comes Moses Liotta. On comes Isaiah Yo from having a break. On comes Scotty Sorensen from having a break. They brought all these guys back on. And all of a sudden, you've got this seemingly fresh Penrith Panthers pack with a Nathan Cleary on the front foot looking to make plays. Jack Cogger playing his role, squaring people up against the Broncos team that they're just trying to hang in there. They haven't been here before. The last 20 minutes have shocked them beyond belief. I think when Ezra Mam scored his third, and myself as well, I thought Brisbane had the grand final one at that point, and I personally think Brisbane thought that as well to some extent. Maybe they weren't saying it out loud, but I think you could just tell by the body language they just went, hey, we're running downhill now. We're, we're going to blow this game away because you know what? That's what they've done against every other team this year. They are able, Once they get on a roll, they are near impossible to stop. The one thing they didn't anticipate was Mosley coming back on and Nathan Cleary having the best 20 minutes of his career. We talk about players having those moments that we'll never forget. Joey in 05, uh, Freddie in 04. Obviously, Joey went down the short side in 97. Those moments we'll never forget. And this will be one for Nathan Cleary. This one's going to go down in folklore. And we're going to talk about him a little bit more as the week goes on when we get to um, Clive Churchill chat and all that sort of stuff and his performance in general. But these are the sort of moments that we're never going to forget. And this is what can elevate him to... To another level. You need to consider this guy's now won three premierships. Yeah, he's been to four grand finals. He's 25 years old. But the way guys are playing now, he could play until he's 35. He honestly might be halfway through his career. What have we learned about halves? That they don't play their best footy until 
27, 28, 29, 30. At this point, he's won three premierships in a row, with, which no halfback has been able to do outside of Cooper Cronk since Peter Sterling. So over the last you know 50 years of first grade, only three dudes have done it. Keep in mind, Cooper Cronk didn't actually do it at the same club too, so that's also an advantage he's got along with Peter Sterling. Uh, he's got two Clive Churchill medals. Uh, you have a look at JT, he's got one. Joey's got one. Um, Cooper Cronk's got one. Um, Darren Lockyer didn't win one. Brad Fittler didn't win one. Um, I think Alf's got one. Uh, I mean, like, like you know, like you... Sorry, sorry, Darren Lockyer did win a Clive Churchill. I take that back. I was thinking of a Dally M for a second there. Darren Lockyer did win a Clive in 2000, but he's still already on two, yeah? So he's on two Clive Churchills, three premierships, and three premierships in a row, which a lot of these guys weren't able to do. The vast majority of them weren't able to do outside of Cooper Cronk, but he did do it across two different clubs. Nathan Cleary's done it at the same club. And think about all the guys he's lost during that period. Appy, Kikau, Matty Burton. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You could even go back to 2020 and Mansell, who was you know, arguably one of the best wingers in rugby league at that point. It was wild when they let him go. James Tamo, who was one of the best front row forwards in the game at that point as well. And then we get into this game. His team is down on the scoreboard. They're, 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 they're coming up against a Broncos team that is high energy and is running downhill and has all the momentum. And he's 5'8", forced to leave the field. He ends up with Jack Cogger, who, I mean, a year ago, I'm not sure if any of us really anticipated Jack Cogger playing first grade again. He comes in and just plays a role. Nathan Cleary just gave him very strict instructions what to do. And Nathan Cleary has one of the great moments in rugby league history. And when he came off his left and went off his left again and cut through to score that try... Honestly, that is the moments that absolute legends are made of. Has he got to dominate Origin still? Fucking oath he does. There is no denying that whatsoever. But honestly, what he does in NRL finals is just second to none. He is just a level above everyone else, and it is unbelievable. He is the finals MVP by far and away, and I would argue he could be the finals MVP of the last three years. You can argue about the Dally M and who deserves it, all this sort of stuff. The two guys we all wanted to win the Dally M medal, Caelan Ponger and Sean Johnson, Neither of them beat top four teams all year. Nathan Cleary is able to come up against the second best top four team because he can't fucking play himself, down by 20 points with his 5-8 off the field and able to do that on the biggest stage. Not round 16, Sunday Arvo, in front of 10,000 people. He's able to do it in front of 80,000 people with his 5-8 off the field, his team down on momentum, and he's able to come up with shit like that. Sometimes what you do, it is more about when you do it than, than sometimes what you do. And in that game, he had a lot of poor poor moments. Yeah, he had shit last tackle plays. He had bad, bad defensive reads throughout that game. But when the game came down to the balance and the Panthers needed someone to grab that game, Ezra Mam grabbed it at first. But then when the game came down to, to the balance and it was it was up to someone to grab that game by the collar and go, this is my fucking game of football and I'm going to win it off my back, Nathan Cleary. Cut through, had a line break, found Mosley Otter on the inside, kicks a 40-20, finds Stephen Crichton, cuts through himself. He just did it all in this game, Nathan Cleary, and I think it was a very, very deserving recipient of the Clive Churchill medal, despite not having the greatest game ever. I've seen some people tell me it's like a 10 out of 10 performance. And stuff. It wasn't because of what happened earlier in the game, but if you're looking at you know when you do things in championship minutes and how you win games of football, what Nathan Cleary did in this game was simply unbelievable. And I'm not sure how many halfbacks could have, that have played before that are considered all-time champions could have done something like this. I, I'm genuinely not sure how many guys could have done something like this. And keep in mind, he has sort of done this before in 2020. If it wasn't for Cam Smith, they'd probably come back and win that game as well. So he has got this in him. 
And for me, the thing that stands out with this Panther side, and we're going to talk about it more on Bloke in a Bar today, and I'm sure this week on the Guru podcast and whatnot, this Panther side, they have to be considered as one of the greatest ever. Not only for winning back-to-back premierships, but it was how they won back-to-back-to-back premierships. Look at 2021, a huge defensive effort. They won it off Nathan Cleary's boot, a Stephen Crichton intercept. 2022, they come out against the Parramatta Eels. They just blow them off the park. They play exciting footy. They bash them through the middle, a great brand of footy. Then all of a sudden we get to 2023. They do that same thing. They bash them through the middle, but they don't get the points. The points don't come as easy. It's a bit of an odd game. They go in at halftime and go, hold on. We've just about played the perfect first half there. We didn't make any errors. We didn't turn the ball over. We gave the ball over always at their end. Our our last tackle plays weren't fantastic, and we're up by two points. What the fuck just happened? We've been all over this mod. They've hardly even been in our red zone. And then all of a sudden, they go out in the second half and they get punched in the face. And this is what the Panthers do best. They punch other people in the face. Ezra Mam came out and punched them. Three tries in a grand final in 12, 15 minutes, whatever the hell it was. Unbelievable stuff. For them to recover from that, it just shows how mentally strong this team was. And you know what the beauty of it is too? It's not like Ezra Mam scored three tries and then they got to go and sit down with Ivan Cleary for 10 minutes. He got to amp them up. This was Isaiah Yo, Nathan Cleary standing behind the post going, hey, this is our team. We've got to take responsibility for this. We're playing for the Penrith Panthers. This is not what we've built over the last few years. It wasn't like that the coach was down there talking to him. This was player-led. And this is this is the other thing that I think people are sleeping on when it comes to Nathan Cleary's performance. The backs were against the wall. Jerome Luai was off the field. Jack Cogger came on. Ivan Cleary had no say over this. This was all Nathan Cleary. Isaiah Yo went off the field as well. This was all Nathan Cleary leading this side. And it really is a special moment. As I said, we'll talk about it more during the week, about where this team sits as far as the greatest of all time. But for me, they're definitely the best team of the modern era. Um, and I think they're right up there with the greatest teams of all time. Once again, guys, I would just like to give a little shout-out to the Brisbane Broncos. I thought they performed very well in this game. They made errors, but the Brisbane Broncos are going to make errors because they take a lot of shots at you. Uh, so I, I, I do think they would have beaten the vast majority. I, I think that if you would, if it was the Broncos versus the Parramatta Eels from last year, I think Brisbane would have wiped the floor with them tonight. I think Brisbane win... The performance they put on tonight, I think they would have won a lot of games against just about anyone previously. I think they would have put up a fantastic fight against most teams, and I think they would have won against most teams in this performance. Unfortunately for them, uh, they came up against one of the greatest teams of all time on an absolute mission with one of the greatest halfbacks of all time, or a guy that's on his way to being one of the greatest halfbacks of all time, once again, on a mission, but I think we also do need to uh, just reflect on where the Pen- where the Brisbane Broncos have come from, guys. A wooden spooner, spoon side only three years ago to be losing in a grand final in the last two minutes in just three years' time against the greatest side we've potentially ever seen. Pretty impressive stuff. So hopefully the Brisbane Broncos they can keep this up. I did think that they, you know, two of their best players. Like, there's no hiding from it. Tom Flegler and Herbie Farmworth. They've been two of their best players for the last few months. They are losing them. So this is going to be a huge, huge test. A lot of people saying that they can see a lot of the 2020 Panthers in the 2020 Broncos. And I completely agree. I can see it as well. But I'll give you the hot tip. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It is so much easier said than done. Yeah, there's young talent there. They've gone all the way to a grand final. 
but it is very, very hard to match that performance. You look at who the Panthers have played uh, in the grand finals over the last few years. They got beat by the Melbourne Storm. Realistically, the Storm haven't really fired a shot since then. Uh, they beat the Bunnies in 2021, you know, made a prelim last year and whatnot, uh, you know, missed the finals this year. Then they took on the Parramatta Eels last year, who also missed the finals this year. It's all good and well to say teams will stay at the top, but at the end of the day, there's not many teams that do stay at the top. So it is going to be a huge challenge for the Brisbane Broncos. I think they've turned a corner. I think they're going to be a threat for the next few years, but it will be interesting to see how this impacts all the Brisbane Broncos and how they recover from this. Uh, It took a long time to recover from the 2015 Grand Final. Dare I say, they might have only recovered from the 2015 Grand Final when they made um, the Grand Final in 2023. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they recover from it. Also, I want to give a special shout out to Adam G, the referee. I thought he did a tremendous job. I thought he made a lot of fantastic calls. I also thought he let a lot of things go, which I think was good. Didn't give away shit penalties. He let the players decide the game. There was a moment where Reese Walsh went up for a big catch and Isaac Tungo went up, competed for the ball. They bounced off each other. A lot of refs would call a penalty straight away because it was an air contact, but he knew both were contesting for the ball. So I just thought Adam G made some really good plays. I've had a lot of people message me saying, oh, the ref did this. Reb did that. Fuck off. The ref was fantastic. He had a brilliant game. If you think that game was decided by the ref, once again, you have got no clue whatsoever what you're talking about. Appreciate when referees do a good job. And Adam G did a fantastic job this week, even though the media tried to derail him before a ball was even kicked just to get clicks this week, which, as I said, was really, really poor form. He was tremendous. You cannot possibly tell me he was biased to either side in this game. So I thought it was really unfair by the media, but I think Adam G needs a shout-out because I thought he was tremendous in this game. Very, very impressive. Guys, that will do us for our rapid review of the 2023 NRL Grand Final. The Penrith Panthers winning their third premiership in a row. Incredible scenes, unbelievable stuff that I honestly, I feel very lucky uh, that I was alive to see. Guys, this podcast was brought to you by Jim Beam, the perfect drink of choice for the pregame. Obviously, no NRL over the next few weeks, uh, but we will have the internationals coming up soon. So before those games, grab some Jim Beans to have with mates in the afternoon and whatnot, getting ready for those games. Jim Beam, the perfect drink of choice for the pregame. As always, guys, please make sure you are drinking responsibly. Thanks for tuning in once again to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 